What is the relationship between the mind and the body, and how does it shape our understanding of the self? In this episode, Rosa Spagnolo presents her reflection on the topic, published in her recent book, written with Georg Nordhoff. In the book, she delves into how out-of-body experiences can shed light on the complex dynamics between the self and the world. She examines the relationship between the body and the brain, the role of time and space in shaping our experience of the self, and the intersection between psychoanalysis and neuroscience. Along the way, she touches on the potential implication of virtual reality on our sense of the self. Rosa Spagnolo is a child neuropsychiatrist, a psychoanalyst of the Italian Psychoanalytic Society and a member of IPA and a member of the Neuropsychoanalysis Association. She is also co-chair and founder of the Italian Psychoanalytic Dialogues Association, which organizes its annual conference in Rome on topical psychoanalytic and neuroscientific issues. A professor at the University of Tor Vergata in Rome and the Graduate School of Psychoanalytic and Group Analytic Psychotherapy, she has published numerous papers on child neuropsychiatry and psychoanalysis, which we refer listeners to in the bibliography included in the written description of this episode. I am Gaetano Pellegrini with Talks on Psychoanalysis, the IPA podcast devoted to topics published in the IPA Society journals and Congress debates worldwide, featuring the original voices of the authors. This podcast series, published by the IPA, is part of the activities of the IPA Communication Committee and is produced by the IPA podcast editorial team. Editing and post-production Massimiliano Guerrieri. To stay informed about the latest podcast releases, please sign up today. The study of the mind from a psychoanalytic perspective and the brain from neuroscience cannot take place without the mutual and dynamic relation between the self and the other. Freud himself tried to connect psychoanalysis and neuroscience, but timing was not there for him. So our history, our human existence, starts by introducing the body into the world. Our contact with the world is a slow enrichment of all our mental functions. It is like proceeding from some basic biological structure toward thought, dreams, illusion, conveying an increasing complexity of the self. That is to say, a gradual shift from the primitive form of embodiment to broader configuration of the self and up to artistic production, development of science, culture and social life. This is a travel from the grounded self to metaphorical language. The relation between the self and the world through time and space is crucial for the definition of the self. In its own continuity-discontinuity, Unity and multiplicity, the self represents the subjective glue that informs our existence and its underlying dynamics. The self can be understood as a mnemonic laboratory with different time dimensions, like past, present, future. 
From this time perspective, the self can be conceived as featuring an extended duration over time. It makes the past endures in the present, which, in turn, affects the future. It is a multi-layered structure, with different configurations, which appear to be more cohesive or disintegrated, depending on the defense mechanism. Its subjective space-time structure shapes our being in the world and finds its unitary vision both in its bodily and narrative dimension. Neuroscientific investigation has seriously emphasized the somatic origin of the self, through the term of embodiment, for example. Here, we consider the theories according to which embodied is not only a factor to be added to cognition or memory, to justify the link between the mind and body. Embodiment is a broader concept, suggesting that the brain is not only the area where cognitive processes take place. Through its somatic biological route, the self fulfills the homeostatic needs of metabolism and follows the alternation of life seasons, from the beginnings of the first representations to the most complex configuration of adult life. Alongside the bodily, cognitive and affective features of the self, we, north of an eye, emphasize the central role of its continuity, self-continuity as the core of identity development. What are the dynamics behind the complexity of the self? Is the self unitary or multiple? How can we experience self-continuity? These are just some of the questions we try to clarify over the chapters The Dynamic Self in Psychoanalysis. The dynamic of the self reveals its own configuration in its relationship with body, others, word, creativity or madness, and dreams. When the basis of our self and its underlying word-brain relation is disrupted or even lost, non-integration or internal and external stimuli might occur, leading to alteration in embodiment. Our body is always there where we are, and it is the origin of our being in the world. Even when we are not aware of its presence, it manifests itself through our gesture. Our facial expression follow the emotional dialogue, for example, and we are not aware of that. The body is present in the spatial concepts that express both the idea of movement and embodied metaphors. By the term embodied, we emphasize two points. First, cognition depends upon the kind of experience that comes from having a body with various sensory motor capacities. Second, these individual sensory motor capacities are themselves embedded in a biological, psychological and cultural context. The body knows, chooses and responds to internal and external stimuli. Embodiment involves both the perceptual system, considered as an integrated multisensory system, and the self, as a form of embodied memory. We call this process self-embodiment. If we introduce the development of the self as bodily self, that means that the body marks the construction of the individual bodily self with its proprioceptive, sensory, affective characteristics. Living my body means more than being aware of my body or having a body image. I am this body and I am more than this body. This is self-embodiment. The brain's spontaneous activity and its link to experience and the living body suggest that the cerebral activity, with an ongoing process of change that integrates the internal inputs from the body within a larger spatiotemporal framework, promotes the subjectivation of the self. 
We assume that one central feature of this spatiotemporal construction and embedding of the self and the body is temporal continuity, which results in self-continuity. Self-continuity is central to human life and allows us to understand how the ordered regularity of human behavior and cognition can emerge and be maintained. The experience of the lived body may be considered as the first essential manifestation of the bodily self. In minimal terms, it is this experience, the lived body, that shapes mindiness and belongingness, and also the sense of ownership and agency. Here, ownership means that I am experiencing my body as my body. Which body? To illustrate the relevance of self-continuity and ownership, I introduce shortly the disorder related to disembodied experience. Such disorder is defined as autoscopic phenomena, mainly in three forms, autoscopic hallucination, out-of-body experiences, and utoscopy. During autoscopic hallucination, a second own body is seen without any changes in bodily self-consciousness. During out-of-body experiences, the second on body is seen from an elevated perspective and location associated with disembodiment. During hutoscopy, subjects report strong self-identification with the second on body, often associated with the experience of existing at and perceiving the world from two places at the same time. In utoscopy, the body duplication is not only an image or a visual hallucination, as in autoscopic hallucination because the self can be experienced in the position of the physical body or in the duplicate body, simultaneously or in alternation, and the subject is not able to report where the self is localized. From the neurological point of view, these cases differ in terms of occipital or temporal brain lesions and in right or left brain lesions. We would say that in these disorders, the self is not tied to the constraints imposed by the body. Where is the self located during such experiences? Outside the bodily boundaries? Where is the physical body located? Does the human mind allow for localization in more than one places at the same time? Please, give me a minute to talk about virtual reality. We know the patients bring with them in the analytical sessions the digital revolution and its new and evolving form of communication, including the use of social networks, the metaverse, and the remote analysis. In this sine substantia reality, subjects may create numerous variants of the self, which simultaneously interact with many other individuals, with other variants, without the limits imposed from the body on distinctive personification. This change, sine substantia, experienced online, has major repercussions on the offline life, and it forces us to rethink the meaning of some dualities, such as presence-absence, real-unreal, contact-relation, public-private. In this meaning of real, the self-other expands to become the self-word relationship. In this self-word relationship, the boundaries of the self and the other are blurred, so the concept of intersubjectivity loses its bionivocal relational meaning. And, above all, if we consider some new finding of metaverse like full-body illusion, body-swapping, and face-made illusion, self-alignment, we find that the virtual and real world are different in their degree of time and space extension. 
their shared temporospatial space has a major impact on our brain's response, and even more on future psychiatric psychotherapy. What is the functional importance of the interactions between bodies, cum substantia and sine substantia, for the self in its natural embodiment and perhaps in the self-social world? If the body and the mind do not proceed together, what happens to the structure of the self? Typically, the body marks the time of human existence through aging. The body carries the sign of the past on the surface that is exposed to the other, but only the self can keep together past, present and future. Going back to out-of-body experience in clinical setting, in the first chapter you can find an example of utoscopy. In the video book trailer, we summarize this fictional dialogue in this way. I feel out of space and time. If you ask me what time is it, what day or month it is, and where I am now, I perfectly know the answer. But it is if I'm elsewhere, as if there is another me somewhere else. But I know that it's always me. My body is not here where I am. It is somewhere else. What would you think about? Is that a psychotic or a schizophrenic patient? Or we would think of it as a disembodied situation, out-of-body experience. We recall that the body and the self are subjectivized by being integrated and embedded within the brain's spontaneous activity and its continuous construction of spatiotemporal matrix. Time and space are built in a dynamic way. This dynamic time-space construction makes it possible to continuously integrate the different inputs from the body and the self through liking, connecting, and gluing them up. In this case, we would say that this patient suffers from the absence of these experiences. His self is no longer experienced as continuously present, and his body experience is no longer anchored in specific time-space coordinates. It remains out of time and space. We assume that the integration of the various interoceptive and exoreceptive inputs from the body are no longer integrated within the ongoing construction of time and space by the brain's spontaneous activity. Consequently, the corpora, the body, can no longer be transformed into a lab, the lived body, which triggers anxiety as the corpora is not integrated and linked to the self, and he can shift the corpora around, like any object, across different points in time and space. This means that his spatiotemporal construction must be somehow discontinued and fragmented. That is revealed in his experience or consciousness of a temporary discontinuity of his self, with lapses of absence between moments of presence. Corpor needs to be integrated and embedded within the subject's time-space constructions. This makes it possible to subjectivize corpor, which then can be experienced as lab. The same kind of subjectivation applies to our self, not only to out-of-body experiences. If the self is not integrated and embedded within the space-time construction, including its temporal continuity, we will experience ourself in a discontinuous time frame with lapses of presence and absence. Hence, both the subjective self and body lab are strongly based on spatiotemporalization, otherwise we will have no access to their experience as such. 
Moreover, such spatiotemporalization extends beyond the physical body boundaries, as it involves time and space around us, namely the social space and time. To conclude, the spatiotemporal approach represents a novel point of view on psychic processes and psychopathology. How does the spatiotemporal approach also embed psychotherapy? What is the main aim of psychotherapeutic process according to this approach? Here is proposed how psychotherapy unfolds in a shared time and space between the therapist and the patient, allowing the patient self to experience what was lost or what was not allowed in order to be part of the time of the world. Spatiotemporal psychotherapy is here proposed as a chance to re-establish the subjective sense of time and space of self that is nested in its own relationship with body, other, and finally the word. This process might be seen as a basic process representing a target of psychotherapy that aims to constitute a dynamic reorganization of the brain and the self. Hence, spatiotemporal psychotherapy is considered a main road to understand and heal the self and its conscious-unconscious processes through synchronous alignment. Now, finally, the self can be brought back to the world.